You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. We're starting our new preaching series today, God at Work. Uh, just really wanting to emphasize and underline to us that really the real work of any church takes place on a Monday, not on a Sunday. You know, Sunday is when we gather to encourage each other and strengthen each other and refresh each other and clean each other up so that we can send each other back out into the real world where the real work is done. Okay? And uh, this series is really just looking to unpack all of that. I'm going to be starting on that today. And uh, I'm going to start by telling a a short uh, clip from... A newspaper article I I read this week, you may or may not uh, be aware, this is the anniversary of the outbreak of the Second World War, and uh, I read this story this week about some spectacularly bad secret agents. And it says, this was in in, uh, one of our broadsheet newspapers, the Nazi spies arrived on the shores of Britain under the cover of night by parachute, by rowing boat, and by rubber dinghy. In their suitcases, each carried a Morse code transmitter, a map of the UK, a handgun, and some invisible ink. Their mission, to pave the way for an invasion. But the spies chosen for the mission had neither convincing fluency in English nor basic knowledge of British customs. One spy was arrested after trying to order a pint of cider with a thick foreign accent at 10 a.m., unaware that during wartime landlords weren't allowed to serve alcohol before lunchtime, and as he left the building, he struck his head on the pub's traditional low ceiling. Another pair were stopped while cycling through Scotland on the wrong side of the road, and once the police discovered German sausages and Nivea hand cream in their luggage, their cover was blown. (laughs) Of the 12 spies who landed in Britain as part of Operation Lena in September 1940, most were arrested without having come close to fulfilling their mission. And, quote, because of their own stupidity, as British official records put it, why the Nazis sent such inept agents on one of the most important missions of the Second World War has remained an enduring mystery. So you may think, what is the connection between that and what I have to share with us today? This morning, well, it's very simple. Every one of you, and myself included, each one of you are special agents. Okay, you are special agents in enemy territory. Yep, okay. That's why <laughs> some sound more excited about that than others. You have been sent by the King of Heaven. You've got all the resources of heaven at your disposal. And our mission, should you choose to accept it, is to infiltrate the population of our nations that are under the oppressive hold of our enemy and to do whatever we can to rescue as many people as possible from the deadly power of the enemy and into the eternal freedom of our king. The Bible says, how beautiful are the feet who bring good news. On Sunday, you come here for us to polish your feet. Okay? On Monday, your feet are beautiful, taking good news into the workplace, into the colleges, into the neighborhoods that we're here working and representing. It's very, very important you understand this if you're part of this church. Okay? Um, I want to bless you and honour you and thank you for the love and respect that you give to us as leaders and as uh, specialised ministries in the church. But you need to understand that our role is not to be somehow sort of the, uh, the sharp end of a point, the superstars doing the stuff. 
That's not the deal here. The deal here is that we're here to serve you and equip you to do works of service for the glory of the king out there. Okay? It's very important you get that. I think some churches overbalance a little bit. They make their, their leaders almost like celebrities. And think, well, that's, they're not the ones who are doing the work, actually. It's you that are doing the work. Yeah? And the job of the ministries is to serve and equip you to be effective as the special agents of the kingdom out in enemy territory. Do you get that? It's really, really important. If you want to understand how this, work, how this church works and how this church functions, you have to understand that is our mentality. <clears throat> You're not here putting some money in a bucket to resource a few specialized ministries. You have made our time available to equip and serve you to do the work of the kingdom out there. All right? And that's what this preaching series is all about. <clears throat> there is an almighty struggle between the kingdom of heaven and the dominion of darkness here on the earth. It's written about all the way through scripture. And as the narrative of scripture unfolds, there's a metaphor that is often used to describe this dominion of darkness, to describe the, the kingdom of the world, which is everything that the kingdom of heaven is not. And the metaphor that is often used is Babylon, which was a, a city-state that emerged in Old Testament times and was a sort of representation of all that was against God and was the embodiment of, uh, the embodiment of uh, evil intention and took Israel into captivity. And then we read all about how they were delivered from that sort of captivity. And uh, I just want to spend a few moments just looking at some of the characteristics of Babylon as a metaphor in the Bible for the kingdom that people are in slavery to in this world and that we are the special agents to infiltrate and pull them out of that. So we read in Genesis 11, the whole story about the Tower of Babel. It says, uh, come, let us, this is uh, Babylon speaking about itself. Let's build for ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. There's some clues there about the spirit of Babylon. We read in uh, Revelations 18, it's a, a little bit of a long verse, but I want you to see if you can see what's key about this verse in Revelations 18. This is again speaking about the fall of Babylon, which is prophesied in the future. We know that Christ is victorious and that Babylon will have her comeuppance. It says, The merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her, Babylon, since no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and slaves, that is, human souls. What's the significance of that verse? Anybody have a guess? It's a shopping list of things that are valuable to Babylon. What's striking? What's at the bottom of the list? People, yeah, gold, jewels, precious things at the top, all sorts of oils and scents and even flour, cattle, and you're at the bottom. This is the spirit of Babylon. The spirit of Babylon, people are just commodities, and in fact, commodities of least value. Other things are more valuable. These are some of the things we're contending with. This is what people that you're working with, this is what they're under. This is the spirit they're under. We have to understand that there are such clear 
black and white issues that we have to understand in things of Scripture and, and things that pertain to Christianity. You're either in Christ or you're in Adam. You're either in the dominion of darkness or you're in the kingdom of uh, the Son whom God loves. You're either saved or you're, you're dead in your sins. There's no middle ground. People are either under the influence of the Spirit of heaven and in the kingdom of heaven, or they're under the influence of the spirit of Babylon in the dominion of darkness. There's no sort of safe middle ground where you can sort of sit on a, a fence and make a sort of eeny, meeny, miny, mo. It's one or the other. So when you, as a special agent of the kingdom of heaven, go into the workplace, you are going into enemy territory, you're going into environments which, by and large, unless they are led by uh, people of Christian persuasion, are in the grip of the spirit of Babylon. So what can that look like? Pride, self-glory, greed, selfishness, cruelty are all at the heart of the Babylonian spirit. But we are here to bring the kingdom antidote. So here's a couple of examples of scriptures that describe the Christian antidote. One of my favorites is Philippians 2, verses 3 to 5. It says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Can you see the kingdom antidote here? So we read in Babel, it said, hey, let's build something for ourselves. Let's build something, is what it said. We read that back in Genesis 11. Let's build something for ourselves. And it says here in Philippians 2, no, no, don't do anything out of selfish ambition. This is what you're carrying into the workplace. I'm not here out of selfish ambition. I, I'm out of here to build the kingdom of God. I'm, out of, I'm, I'm, I'm here to establish his kingdom and build his throne. I'm not here to build a tower for myself. Okay, This is the spirit that we bring into the spirit of Babylon. It's, it says in uh, Philippians 2, it says, do nothing out of vain conceit. Babylon wants to make a name for itself. The whole world is in the grip of celebrity culture. In the church, we come pray to this. The whole world is about making a name for ourselves. The whole world is about centering power into the hands of the few. This is the Babylon spirit. This is vain conceit. This is making a name for ourselves. But we, of the spirit of heaven, we're saying, no, we're not going to do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That's not why I'm here. I'm here to model something completely different. I'm here because people are important. It says here in Philippians, consider other people better than yourself. Whereas in Babylon, it's saying, no, people are commodities. We just buy and sell them. We use them, abuse them, exhaust their usefulness, and trample on them. You know, people that do lowly jobs we have very low opinion of. Etc., etc. That's the spirit of Babylon. But the spirit of the kingdom of heaven says, No, we love people. Jesus came to rescue people. God loves the world so much that he gave his own son. And people are important to us. They're precious, they're special. It's the most precious commodity in the universe are the people that God has created. That's the precious thing. They're not at the bottom of the list below flour and cattle. Do you like to be? Do you like to think that you're seen as of less worth than flour, even fine flour, you know? Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. 
because it says in, one, in uh, Colossians 1.13, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. We've been delivered. We've been delivered out of Babylon. And now God is sending us back into Babylon. I love that. I really do. You know, there's this sense of the, the, the imagery we think of Israel captive to Babylon, you know, by the rivers of Babylon. I'm not going to sing. Yeah, we wept. We remembered Zion. They said, sing us a song. How can we sing? You know, this and the other. These guys were enslaved by Babylon. And we were enslaved by spiritual Babylon. And then Jesus has come and delivered us and rescued us. And you're thinking, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I'm out from under that slavery now. I'm no longer a slave of Babylon. I'm no longer subject to this evil uh, tyranny. I'm free to go and rejoice with you in heaven and have a life of perpetual Sunday mornings. (laughs) Which obviously is your view of heaven, isn't it? (laughs) And God's saying, well, actually, I want you to go back to Babylon. Yeah, I'm sending you back in. You're going back in. Hopefully a little bit better trained than our special agents we'll read about later. Don't carry too much German sausage in your, in your suitcase. But you're going back in. You're going back in as my special agents. You're going back in as my ambassadors. You're going back in to represent the values of the kingdom of heaven to people who are in slavery and darkness, who are subject to this evil tyranny, and they are oppressed under the dominion of darkness, under the spirit of Babylon. So this makes Monday very important. We used to say, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Yeah? But in this church, it's Sunday, but Monday's coming. Right? Monday's coming. It's a big deal. All right? You don't just go away on Monday and forget all about this. We're not doing our job if we're not making it high in your thinking that Monday is a big deal for you. Because you're going to go to work, or college, or to the school gate, or to the neighborhood, or wherever else that God may take you on a Monday morning, and you are going to represent the kingdom of heaven as his special agent in a way that the specialized ministry of the church can never do. Because we never get to reach these places that you get to reach. Yeah? If you were just relying on me and Tom and Tim and a few others, you'd be waiting a long time. <laughs> yeah? Now our job is to release you and make you effective so that you will be ambassadors and special agents in the workplace. And you can bring the salt and the light and the levity and the liberty of the kingdom wherever God will take you. So we're not in fear of Babylon. We're wise to her tricks and her seductive ways. We're here to expose her evil and deliver many. And this is one of the most important reasons that God gives us work. So let's just talk about work a little bit. So I've just talked about the the context of work, about Babylon, as a metaphor for the dominion of darkness the opposite of everything that the kingdom of heaven is, the dominion from which we're looking to rescue people and deliver them into freedom. Let's just talk about work as a vehicle for doing that. Sometimes we can think of work as being some sort of unsatisfactory distraction for the Christian. You know, Some people even think work is like a result of the fall. You know, It was all wonderful in heaven, and then we had the fall, and now we have to work. Yeah? Well, I, You will be not surprised to hear that that's not a very balanced biblical viewpoint of work. Work is about responsibility. It's about productivity. 
It's about creativity. And we are hardwired for that. That's what God is like. God is a God of responsibility. He's taking responsibility for you lot and me. He's creative. He created. He is the creator of everything that we see. He's productive. He's fruitful. He produces much. And when he placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the first thing he did was give them responsibility. He put them to work. This was before the fall. He put them to work. Hey, look after the garden. All right? You'd be very glad that I wasn't Adam. <laughs> I'm pretty rubbish at looking after the garden. But that was the first responsibility. I remember that sometimes when I'm sweeping leaves and think with blessing comes responsibility. And I think they're sweeping up the leaves in my garden. and thinking this was the first duty of man was to take care of the garden. And then to name the animals and take dominion and responsibility for all of those things. And so there was work in the Garden of Eden. And there is work in heaven. We know the kingdom of heaven is like this. One of my favorite parables, you've, those who've listened to me preach over the years know that I refer to this from time to time because I absolutely love the parable of the talents and everything that that tells us. It says the kingdom of heaven is like this in Matthew 25. It says the master was going away and he distributed responsibilities, talents among people. To one he gave one measure, to another he gave a different measure. We know that one of these guys, he buried his talent in the ground. And the master was not best pleased, was he? Yeah, he wasn't happy with the guy who did not take his responsibility seriously. But to those who did take their responsibility seriously and brought a return to the master, he gave them a reward. And this is where the parable of the talents breaks our cultural expectations. Because in any workplace I've ever worked in, uh, and uh, I expect the same for you, there is a latent expectation that if we've done well in a job, the reward will be leisure. Yeah? We get some time off. We get a bit of money. We get the key to the boss's car. We get a holiday in uh, Tenerife for the weekend because we've been a good worker. Yeah? Would that be a cultural expectation? I've worked hard, so my expectation is I deserve a break. And the parable of the talents gives us a completely different cultural model. Yeah? Well done, good and faithful servant. Rejoice with your master. Hooray! You have been faithful with little, and your reward is more responsibility. Isn't that great? <laughs> Are we happy to be part of a kingdom that rewards hard work with more hard work? Yeah? Are you looking forward to heaven now? <laughs> Hey, we're wired for this. We're like God. We've been made in the image of God. God is productive and creative and takes responsibility and is looking around and filling things and building things and multiplying things and being fruitful and multiplying everywhere. And that's what we are wired to do. And so when we get to heaven, I'm sure there'll be plenty of time to lounge around and uh, sit on a fluffy cloud and strum our harps, but there'll be work to do. Are you looking forward to it? <laughs> Yeah, I've had bigger cheers when I preached. So, work is good. Responsibility is a reward of the kingdom of heaven. So how do we go about our work here as special agents in Babylon? Well, turn with me to Colossians 3. We're just going to very briefly look at some, uh, some of the things that Paul points out to us here. I'm going to look at a passage uh, briefly with you that speaks about the responsibilities of slaves and their masters. 
And I want you to be clear about my exegesis here. How can I apply this to the workplace? Well, this is my logic, and I hope you can understand it and follow it. If this is, if this is the instruction that Paul gives to someone who is a slave, doesn't have a contract, is under a burden and an obligation of slavery, and uh, doesn't have a union to speak for him, hasn't got the discretion to say, I don't want to do this work anymore, I'm going to go and do something else. If this is the expectation that Paul might have for someone in that situation, then you might think that the expectation on us in the workplace would be at least this, if not higher. Yeah? If Paul's going to say, look, you're a slave, this is how I want you to behave, all right? We can easily make the connection that actually for us in the workplace, this should be the way we behave, if not even more so. And this is what Paul says. He says, obey your, this is in verse 22, obey your earthly masters in everything. Do it, not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, since there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. So this is Paul talking about the attitude that we should take when serving someone who is our master. He's talking in the context of slavery. I'm applying this now in the context of the workplace. What should our attitude be? Well, here we go. Verse 22. Christ is our boss. He's now our boss. Whatever your place of work, whatever your attitude to your clients, whatever your attitude to your employer, to your fellow colleagues, whatever your attitude should be, should be, from a perspective that Christ is your boss, okay? So if you have an unjust boss, if you have a boss you get on easily with, if you have a boss that you'd rather not have any time with, if you are the boss, you know, we are working as if Christ is our boss. Not even as if, he is our boss. In the workplace, he's the one that we're serving. He's the one that we are working for. Um, some might find this a bit irreverent, so I apologise for that. Uh, Philippa Stroud, a name some of you may be familiar with, she is uh, part of one of our churches. She's now Dame Philippa Stroud in the House of Lords. Um, but she worked for a number of years with Jackie Pullinger in Hong Kong, working among uh, drug abusers. And she wanted uh, to be involved with all this sort of spectacular ministry to uh, drug users, healing and deliverance, and blah, 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 blah. And for months when she was there, the only job that she was given was to clean the toilets. And at first she was offended by this and thought, you know, this isn't really what I came out for. And then this is what she said to herself, and I'm a, uh, I do apologize if some find this a little bit uh, irreverent, but I thought it was a reality. She said, I'm going to clean this toilet as if Jesus is the next one to use it. That was her attitude. Right, you're my boss, Jesus. I'm going to clean this as if you're going to use this. I'm going to do it absolutely to the best of my ability. This is the sort of attitude that Paul is calling for. Jesus is our boss. We're doing it for him. Work is the second thing we see from this whole passage here, that work is cooperative, not competitive. I remember when I went to school and uh, we were at a time, I think it's come round, these things have their trends and fads. It was a time when the trend was for schools to be non-competitive. So everybody's a winner. Hey, everyone's a winner. 
you know. And I remember my headmaster standing up and saying, um, we're not buying that. He said, we believe in competition. And he said, I'll tell you why. Because the first day our pupils go to work, they'll be competing for a job. And that's the world, I actually thought that was worldly wise, but that's the world we're living in. It's a competitive world. This is the spirit of Babylon. It's dog eat dog. It's, you know, how can I make myself look better at your expense? How can I climb the greasy pole? How can I, you know, uh, trample my way to uh, the best job and the best opportunities and make a name for myself? And, but the whole tone of this is, no, it's not competitive. We're here to co cooperate and collaborate and see others do well and rejoice with them when they do well. And uh, that's the spirit we bring into the workplace. We're not protecting our interests. We're looking to serve the interests of others and to see them excel and do well. This is the spirit that we're bringing into the workplace. You now work for the glory of God, it says in verse 23. Everything that you do in the workplace, you are in your mind thinking, how can I bring glory to God here? This morning, he's, uh, he's not here uh, for the 11 o'clock, but at the 9 o'clock, I just had uh, Alex jump up. You might know Alex. He works as a, a ranger in Ipswich Town. And he was just sharing briefly about the fact that he carries with him a mindset that wherever God takes him, he's there to bring glory to God and to bring love to people. And, uh, and he was just telling one or two stories about that. And it was, it was just great to hear a man who understands, I'm here for the glory of God. I'm working for Christ. It's what I'm doing. I'm here as a special agent. He introduced himself as Special Agent Alex. Because we're bringing mercy and kindness and grace and forbearance and a proper attitude to authority and a, uh, a proper attitude to working hard. We're bringing it into the, the workplace where many of these things people will not be exposed to. And they will not be exposed to these weapons of righteousness that you're bringing. And then... Lastly, we can read from these verses here that uh, in verse 24, it says the Lord is going to reward us. So if, in a sense, you see work as a bit of a temporary diversion and distraction, and you just got to get out of the way so we can get on with the real stuff, well, there is a reward for us in how we diligently go about our work and service. These things are valuable to God, and so they are valuable to us. It says, a man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. It says in Ecclesiastes 2 and 24. So I just wanted to kick off our series today. First of all, just by painting a very brief sketch of the context for your daily life. And the context is that the world is covered in thick darkness, Isaiah tells us. It's in the grip of the enemy. The metaphor that the scriptures use for that is that this is the, the kingdom of Babylon and everybody is under the spirit of Babylon. We've looked at some of the characteristics of that atmosphere. And some of the characteristics are making a name for ourselves, building something for ourselves. People are not important unless they're useful as commodities. And saying that we are agents of the kingdom of heaven. We are agents of the king who has a completely different mindset. Who says, no, we're not here to build things for ourselves. We're here for the cause of Christ. We're not here to make a name for ourselves. We're here to make his name great. We're here to establish his kingdom in all the earth. We're here to show that people are precious. 
and that they're in the grip and slavery of the dominion of Babylon. And we are here to show a light and bring them out and see them delivered into freedom, just as we have been delivered into freedom. And that is why we're here. And that is why Monday is important. That is why Monday matters. That is why we're here today, is to set you up for tomorrow. And we'll be here patiently next Sunday to clean you up from the week before and dust you down and heal you and you know, help you straighten things out where maybe you've made some mistakes and to give you the strength and courage to go back out there again as the special agents of the king because people out there are not going to hear it from anywhere else. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content but please do not edit the content in any way.